to the Action Shooting Show. Today we have Mark Repke and myself, as always, Ryan Dixon. And I think uh, Mark's going to be asking me some questions today, so we'll let Mark kind of take over. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. So recently, just in the last week or two weeks ago, you had a match that you're kind of calling a run-and-gun sprinter, kind of a new match. There's been a handful of these around the country, and this is your spin on it. So what are, we're going to talk about or kind of get a feel for our listeners is what that actually looks like, how it went as you as a match director and also you as a competitor and get a feel for what a sprinter looks like. Because, you know, you don't have 500 acres in Kentucky, or South Carolina, or Texas, where you can have these kind of dream running guns. So what does it look like when you put it on at a local club, a small range? What is that like for you? What was kind of your goal or match flavor when you started this match? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, um, the main goal, which I think was a success, was to open run and gun to more people. A lot of people are intimidated by a like a bigger match. You know, something like Heartbreak sells out in two minutes. It's hard for new shooters to get in. They find out about it. <laughs> they didn't find out ahead of time. They're not getting in. Uh, and, and a lot of the matches are like that. So I wanted something small on a local level that the people around us could shoot to kind of get their feet wet. So um, I called it a sprinter. I think I, I kind of got that from uh, uh, Alan Carmichael, who kind of earlier in the year before Heartbreak did a small running gun like that. And I, I know there's there's probably been other ones around. I think in Indiana they have the uh, tactical two-gun match, which maybe does similar stuff. But mine ended up being right around a mile, maybe a little bit less. And that's like stages everything, like from the time you set foot off to the time you come back. So fairly short distance. Um, if you walked it, I think at a brisk walk, the whole course, most people got done in 20, 25 minutes. Um, if you ran it, I think most of the people running, the fastest was uh, 14 minutes, 15 seconds. Uh, there were some 15s, some seven, you know, 17s and 18s were pretty, pretty normal. So, so fairly quick as far as a running guns concerned. <clears throat> so to compare to what we think of generally, or what maybe our listeners think of, is a running gun is typically five to 10k. Occasionally, they're farther than that, which is about three to six miles. And so you're given about a third of that uh, when you talk about a sprinter, as opposed to what we consider a typical run and gun at about three miles or so yeah and on top of that it was mostly flat so um that that changes things a little bit so um i well i wanted it to be short i didn't want it and i was keeping round count low because we're still getting out of covid ammo still expensive and um but i, I didn't want it to be i i wanted and i've been doing this with my three gun matches every shot counts you're not going to find like a wide open piece of paper in any of my matches. It's uh, everything's a little more challenging. So, so you're going to have to aim. You're going to have to use good fundamentals and um, good shooting technique. Okay, so you wanted the feel of a big match, but on a smaller scale. It's still that difficult shooting. Still get your heart rate up, but kind of condensed so that the average guy within an hour or two drive of you could come and do it and get a feel for it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know I had people raise their hand at the beginning at the safety brief. Um, I want to say 
there was probably five or six people who had never shot a competition before and probably close to 20 who had 20 or more who had never done a running gun. So as far as the, you know, the goal of it, it was a success in that way. And it went pretty well. I think as we go through, I'll, I'll talk about some things that went well, some things that didn't, it ran much longer than I was expecting. It was not as quick and we kind of reacted to that and, and sped it up as it went along. But, um, yeah, there's just a couple of things I, I did that I would that I would definitely change for next time that I, I guess we'll discuss. Okay, so your your typical run and gun is advertised six months plus in advance. This was not your typical run and gun in that you had it broadcast. All the groups were getting excited about it. this. Is your typical three gun weekend, right? And you just kind of sprung it on people maybe a couple weeks ahead of time. So this is more of your three gun crowd, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we had quite a few of our regular three good crowd. At this time of year, with it being cold in Ohio and everything, I get 20, 25 shooters is a, is a pretty good match. Um, I did, I started advertising like two or three weeks before. We had 50 people signed up for it. 43 people actually showed up. I was a little intimidated by that. I was really hoping for like that that 20 to 30, you know, max, just, just because for the first time it's it's – less i mean if i would have 15 to 20 it would have been i would have learned a lot more and it would have been a shorter day but but i was happy to have that many people so right and it in your range your typical three gun match in the middle of the summer is about 40 to 50 so this was a pretty good turnout yeah for early yeah for in sure season. yeah for sure okay so you mentioned it's about a mile uh did you have different divisions you know in three gun it's a lot of run what you brung but did you have a different sort of weight classes or different guns anything like that for for this match i just did a op- open division kind of the you know in, in running gun you get there's not really gear divisions as far as guns are related it, it tends to be like how much weight you're carrying or you know that so i didn't want to get into too much of that this first time so i just did straight just open whatever you brought shoot that it, if you want to bring a you know a saw or 243 or you want to bring your hk45 or you want to bring like it if you want to carry it through the course use it you know within reason (laughs) okay so you know i'm familiar with the range you're talking about but could you share kind of an idea of what the range looks like you know would this be something that if i'm in the middle of arkansas or west virginia would i see your kind of range get a feel for the size the layout and that sort of thing you think you can share that for us? Give us a kind yeah, of feel for what the layout was. Yeah, and I'm going to try to do the sh- uh, screen sharing here. So we'll, this may take a second. But um, this, I mean, this is a square range. This is berms, you know, big berms and um, that sort of thing. So it's not a, let me know if this show, if, when this is showing up, Mark. It's up there? Okay. Yep, I got you. All right. So I'll zoom out a little bit. This is what we're working with. Um, we've got a, this is a 200 yard bay. We've got a hundred yard here, 50, couple 25s. This is like uh, another 50 there. And then a couple kind of, these are like cowboy town back here. So um, it was really helpful that this, this whole um, range kind of circles around you, you don't have to do that, and I'll kind of walk us through it here, and um, you'll see that we do kind of double back on ourselves. 
<clears throat> so we started here. I just spray painted a start finish line. Uh, to start off with, we were sending people out. And then um, as now they'll come out around here later on, once they came out there running towards the last stage, we were sending the next shooter. I kind of, we kind of modified that as things went on. My first stage, which is here on the uh, 200, was a little bit too big. Um, I, I wanted it long. I was using some running there to add distance onto the bay, but it um, it ended up being too much. Uh, I think I had the fastest time on that stage by 240 or 50 seconds or something like that. And I beat the next closest person by like 80 seconds. But there was a lot of like 500, 700 second stage, you know, stage time. So that, well, that, I mean, that's it, too- to be clear, I mean, you're the match director. You're going to win your own match. That's that's part of the, <laughs> the design of that, these things, right? That, yeah, that 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 rarely, rarely happens. So um, that was that was the case this time. But um, I, I was a little surprised by that. It was it was a long it was a long day. Um, I mean, if you would have helped set up, like spend all day on the range the day before, you know, run as an RO, all these things. I mean, maybe you wouldn't have had such an advantage. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I I did. I set up the two bays here the night before. Actually, I did get a little bit of an advantage, I guess, in that I was the first person on the course on Sunday. And that was mostly because I was a little worried about some of the par times. And um, while I don't normally win my own matches. I'm typically one of the higher placing shooters at our match. So if I par out on something, unless I just really died, it's it's the part time's probably wrong. Like I'm going to be one of the top five, ten percent. So um, and we did have a couple. I'll, I'll explain when we get there. So as I said, you started here, you would run, and we had two barricades that we use right here. Well, you'd run and. Uh, I'm going to measure here. So we ran from this point down to here where I had a a tire. So what do we see? That's uh, 123 meters or so. You flip the tire, then you ran all the way back. And once you cross those barricades, your time started. RO would hit the shot timer. So you come back here and um, using those barricades, we had three targets down here. You would shoot the first target, you would shoot the second target, you would drop your magazine, and you would have one round left in the gun, and you would shoot that third target. Now, I use that a lot, uh, every stage in this match, whenever you were moving long distances with your gun, I would use that, We it's a way to clear out the gun. So they shoot the gun out, the RO knows it's empty, doesn't have to unload and show clear. So after you use that first barricade, you ran back up, flip the tire, run back, Use the other barricade, do the same thing. One, two, drop mag, three. Run back up, flip the tire a third time. And then from this position, those first three targets, and then I had two other pieces of steel. You were shooting with pistol. So um, that ended up being, I think, what we look at? The first target was there. So about 40, 45 meters. So you shot those, uh, you shot four of those targets, drop your magazine. One round to hit the last target. <clears throat> um, that, that's your first stage. The timer was done. 
and you would then run into the second bay, which which second stage was is right here. So normally you have a little more time in running guns between stages. You can sort your ammo. You can you know let your heart rate drop a little bit. In this case, just the way the range laid out, you just went straight into your next stage. Did you uh you got any questions or anything you want to kind of yeah, pursue just, on that? Right, just a couple things. <clears throat> what were the size of the targets? I'm guessing these were flashers <clears throat> in the ten to twelve, maybe fifteen inch range. Uh, no, fifteen. They were uh they were there's a BC zone uh a 12 a 10 was the long range and then the pistol i had those and then i did have the bigger um 18 by or 18 or 18 by 36 maybe like the slug plates the mgm slug plates so that was your high value on that that was i was a little more generous with the the pistol targets but i mean they still you know a, a 10 inch target from 40 yards with a pistol is not not an easy shot. I mean, it, it's doable, and a lot of people got it pretty easily, but I definitely saw some ammo wasted there. Right. So typical three to four MOA for the rifle, and then pistol, not so bad. Yeah. Uh, a little bit challenging, but how about the tire? What do you say? Monster truck, tractor, uh, car? Medium-sized me, medium tractor tire. It, it wasn't huge. It was pretty doable by everybody. I think the thing that really ate some lunches in this stage was that run. And, and and that's something you balance in running gun anyways. How hard do you want to go? Because you need to get you need to get there back and forth quick quick because times matters. But you do it too quick and your heart rate goes up too high and, and it's really hard. Uh, I know my first uh, my run, the first time I hit the first barricade, I went one for one. No, no problems. You know my I ran pretty quick and my heart rate was up. Ran back down, flipped it, came back, made my first hit. Second hit, I missed the first one, hit the second one. And I was feeling pretty good, so I dropped the mag, and I, and I missed that high-value target. So, um, you know, I could have taken more time on it, but it, when your heart rate's pumping like that, it, it is it is hard to get your, um, you know, keep your, your sight steady. And um, I'm probably in a little bit better shape than most of the shooters. I mean, most of them, by the time they ran down and back, they were, they were pretty gassed. So, um, it ended up being a, a tough stage. Was the high value target, a run penalty or a shooting stage penalty? <clears throat> shooting stage penalty. Okay. So I, I didn't say that yet. Um, I scored this like a traditional running gun. Um, so 50% of your score is your run time. 50% of your score is your shoot time. And that shoot time is the stage time, but time plus. So however long it took you to shoot the stage plus any penalties, the top person gets 100 and everyone else is um, down from there. So um, one thing that's kind of variable in running guns is was there a DNF or a, a sort of a floor for how well you could <clears throat> do on the stage or could you get enough penalties that you'd be at 500 points or 500 seconds, I guess. Or... Yeah, there, this one, there was no, um, there was no, no DNF. There was no, um, there was no par time because I knew it was a little bit longer. I didn't want to have everybody parring out. So if you took 700 seconds and you missed every shot, uh, the pistol targets were 10 seconds a piece. The 
rifle targets were 20 seconds apiece. So you could definitely get a lot of a lot of penalties. And (coughs) did you feel like there was any gaming involved there when you say 10 seconds, 20 seconds? You know, that's something we always talk about. Yeah, I don't don't think so. One quick shot and go on. I don't I don't think so. Uh, Well, the thing about this was you didn't have to even engage them. Whether you engage it or not, it's 20 seconds. Uh, I I was asked about that. Any of these targets, most shooters, if you have your if you know where your hold is, you'll get a hit in less than 20 seconds. I mean, 20 seconds is a long, long time. So, I mean, if you just decided not to shoot anything and and that would add up pretty quick. I I don't think you could game it and come out ahead. I mean, fair enough. So talk to me about stage two. You, you're immediately heart rates through the roof and you walk into stage two. What do they got? For yeah. You? So you come into stage two and this was a double base stage. So ideally your, your rifle's probably slung. You start off with pistol. I had a little box in the middle and then I had kind of an array uh, on each side. So the right array was your, you shot with right handed only holding a 35 pound kettlebell in your hand. You know, and, and I the stage brief said upright, you know, holding it so there was no, like, balancing it or anything like that. And the way the, <laughs> excuse me, the way the array was set up is there was five targets, but it, it was kind of like a V with an opening that was narrow towards the shooter. So you can only see, shooting through that opening, you can only see one target at a time. So it kind of forced movement. So you can't just, like, stand there in one place and hold it. And then the left side, you shot all those with your left hand only. Same thing, 35-pound kettlebell. Once you were done with those two, you dropped the kettlebell back in the middle, and there was a uh, popper that was your drop your magazine, last round in the gun, you shoot that, and that was your high-value target. I called them all high values. There was no points difference for it. It was just high value because... You, you only got one round at it. If you missed, you couldn't load up and, and shoot again. So you finish that. You come sprinting over here. And uh, we had a, like, I've turned a pallet into a barricade. So just think of your standard shipping pallet. I think there's a slat missing in one area. <clears throat> and um, we had a two targets in the corner here. And then another target right there, and you shot from about right, about right this area. So they were 45 yards. Um, you had to shoot from two different positions on the barricades, 45, 50 yards, I guess. Um, I kind of tried something new, which worked out really well in the um, the corner targets, and that I had, I, I guess, think of like a hula skirt, that kind of reedy plastic material. I had that in front of the targets, so, and I kind of cut chunks out of it, so if the wind was blowing, it kind of shimmered in front of it, you could see targets behind it, but they were, they were kind of obscured, if there was no wind, you would just see the target kind of poking through, like, the, the holes in it, so you had to shoot both of those, this target over here, then another position, both of those, and then a target over, over here, and then you dropped your mag, and you had one more shot on any of those plates for the high value. Okay. So big thing that you're kind of 
reinforcing over and over again with the high value target. It seems like it's part of the game, but it's also part of your position as a match director in that you want clear guns all the way through. And so if your RO saw somebody not drop their mag before they shot, the RO would stop them. And then that way you're kind of guaranteeing that everybody's running with clear guns because I'm guessing that the the range wanted this to be a cold range while you're running around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's um if yeah, exactly. When you're not under the supervision of an RO, like when you're running between stages and stuff like that in this case, we had to have cold guns. Um I, I first saw this match at uh or this trick at a uh, Rock Hard Bruce Stevenson's match. I, I don't know if he came up with that or if he got it from somewhere else, but it's a really quick, easy way to guarantee a hundred percent that a gun is empty and not have to go through the normal unload and show clear because on the clock trying to do that is uh, one, it's prone to errors because when you're looking in the chamber and you're trying to do stuff, it's easy to miss them. So um, I, I tell people, unless there's some kind of magical portal in your gun chamber, once the RO sees that mag come out and they pull that trigger, it's an empty gun. So um, it, it worked well. I've used it in other matches and it worked just as well at this one. Now, having said that, at the beginning of the uh, match, out of the safety brief, I did tell people, like, if you do something goofy or whatever and you show up to another range and you rack around out because you you know, you didn't really drop the mag all or, you know, whatever, that that's on the shooter. As always, it's, it's the shooter's responsibility to know the condition of their guns. We didn't have that issue. I've never seen that happen because the ROC is that mag come out. And if a round goes off there, there's no, no other possibility, but an empty gun. Okay. So, so, so take me to the next stage. Then you had three stages. If I understand. Yeah. I, yeah. And we'll go on. I will say um, this stage ended up being a little bit on the long side too. I probably, in retrospect, would cut it down. I did it. I was second on this stage at 160 seconds out of 180 second par time. A lot of people part out. I think quite a few people didn't make it to the rifle. The the one-handed shooting, I mean, we were at like 10, 12, 15 yards. And then with the movement and the kettlebell and, you know, we canned it. It was, it was a very <laughs> difficult stage. So fr from there, the ROs sent you on. We would come down this little path here. Um, there's a gate here that I had people going under. Like a cattle So, gate. Yeah, yep, exactly. So you would run along the back side. We actually had barrels up because a lot of people park in this parking lot. But you run along this little edge here. Run along here and... Um, this way now right now there's this is an old picture there's a bunch of mulch here so right around this area you you kind of <laughs> there were, there was arrows that cut you up so you kind of run up and down all these little mulch hills you run up a little hill here and then you went into the woods and you just you weren't in the woods very long but you did kind of have to get down low and dodge honeysuckle and um you know, briar patches and stuff. And you kind of came across here. Um, we got a steel trailer here, a trailer full of steel. Right towards there, I actually had a, a simulated roof that we have that you had to climb over top of, like the, the high end. So it was like a, you know, climbing over like a three-foot wall. 
You would come around that, come down along this path, and then you kind of come back. Generally, the direction you well, and the direction you came from, and you come here to our uh, Bay Seven. So that that was the the third and final stage. Um, as you ran up, we had a start box that you would run to on the, you know, once the stage, uh, well, uh, let me go on. Let me explain. When you got to each stage, the ROs would find your name so they could pull you up in the tablet, and then they would read you a written stage brief. I, like, wrote them out and laminated all of them so that everyone would get the same stage brief. Even me, like, I designed the stages, um, so I knew what was going on. When I came up to them, I still had them read all of them off, you know, try to keep it the exact same because all of this is on your runtime. There's not a lot of runtime. You want to keep it fair. I, I guess if I had any advantage, I didn't have to ask any questions. But but I, I doubt many people had to ask questions. Everything was pretty straightforward. So once you read the stage brief and they give you the beep, you stepped into a box. I had um, these targets by Thrum. Some of our running gunners have been seeing these pop up at matches. Legion had it. Uh, Heartbreaks had it for the last two years. Little like self-healing rubber targets, just like a. I use the two-inch, so a two-inch dangling target. I had two of those at, let's say, ten yards, and two of those at like fifteen yards. So um, offhand, completely offhand. Um, you could kneel. I didn't specify anything. I saw some people kneel, but most people shot them offhand. Um, you had to remember your height over bore. If you put your most guns, if you put your rifle on the center, you're going to shoot underneath it. So you shot both of those against this berm. And then I had two bigger targets over here that you would shoot. Same. Wanted. You drop your mag. Last round, you'd hit one more of those. After that, you ran forward to about... And you had uh, 10 of the skinny Sammy auto poppers that you shot from the wobble platform with pistol before dropping your mag and shooting one of the rifle targets as a high value. So, um, I think... So, um, yeah, that, that was that stage. Uh, most people got in in time. Uh, I, I, I actually. So, um, I ate like 30 seconds and penalties for that one. Did you have any issues? So you, with, you got any questions on that? Yeah. Did you have any issues with the wobble platform and the pistol? I know you didn't have a high value target, or I, I might have missed it. <clears throat> you said you had a high value target at the end. I know. Yeah, US, we, we USA, did. <clears throat> oh, you did. Okay, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the issues in USPSA with the wobble platforms is unloading and showing clear, and then stepping off the wobble platform without sweeping themselves or pointing the gun other way. So it mm -hmm. makes sense that you do a high value target there as well. Yep. Yep. Same as always. And I had one of the little bit bigger rifle targets. It's kind of like an A zone size silhouette. So um I was, I was a little nicer there. Yep. So um once you finish the whoops, do you have something else? Nope. I was just gonna say that makes sense. Okay. So once you finish that, 
you're done shooting and it's just a sprint to the end. So we kind of come up along this bay. We're going to run back, kind of double back on the direction that we just came. And then we're going to just a sprint to the uh, end and to the uh, start finish line right there. <clears throat> Once you cross that, we had, um, I basically had like a old, like my old G-Shock watch and we had someone timekeeping. So he would send you on the somewhat even time, let's say uh, 10 minutes, 32 seconds even. And he, we'd write that down. And then when he came across the finish line, he would just look and whatever the time was, that was your end time. And then do the math to figure out, you know, figure out what your runtime was. How is 1032 an even time? <clears throat> well, like not, not, se not, I'm just say, I'm, not I'm seconds just with you. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, I get yeah. what you're saying. You just it, gave us a silly example. All right. So this makes yeah, sense. Well, seems like a good course. This seems like something I'd like to do. Uh, pretty straightforward. What went well? What did you like about this? So I, I think the distance worked out well. Um, when I ran it without the stages, it was about 0.7 of a, a mile. Uh, I know one runner said on his Garmin he had a mile. I forgot to start my Garmin, so I'm not sure for myself. But that I think around that is, is probably a good distance. I, I think more than that, and you would start getting people maybe not as interested in it. Uh, I, I think... Some of my stages ended up being a little bit long, which I, I will dial back for the future. But um, overall, they were challenging. I, I don't think anyone shot it clean. I would be really surprised if someone could quickly go through that stage. I mean, if you took your time and you shot like super slow and deliberate, you could probably not miss a target this whole match. But I think generally, like, I, I doubt anyone shot it clean. It was just, it was just kind of a challenging. A challenging match so um I, I was happy overall with the stages okay one of the and things obviously we've, we've talked about in a lot of these matches did you have wait time or was wait time an issue at all <clears throat> yeah so um there was no wait time i think i will look at a contingency plan for that in the future so wait, i originally when not that people didn't have wait time people were waiting and they weren't gifted no 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 one waited a second at okay, a stage. No one, okay, that's good. So, so yeah, let me go on. So, when they were coming around after that steel trailer, we would send the next runner, um, which meant they were like, you know, if you're walking or less than a minute away from their last stage that they were going to shoot. So, there was really no physical way you could anybody could catch them. So. That was the way I did that because I didn't really want to deal with wait time on a match like this. Besides the the equity issues with having wait time, when you start trying to throw that in, it's just adding more more areas to add in practice score and places for times to get messed up. And um, I, I didn't want that. Um, in the in the sake of match <clears throat> management, though, in terms of how long people are on the stage and everything, or the match, not the stage. Would you change that in, in terms of a trade-off between? Yes. Okay. That is something you would yeah. add. Yeah. So um, as the match went on, I realized that that was way too big of a window. And what we ended up doing was when the RO was walking, once the RO got back from 
that first stage. So if you remember, you ended up at the front with the pistol. The RO would stay in the back the first two times the person went up to flip the tire because they had an empty gun. There's no reason for an RO to be there. They would run up with them when they went to shoot the pistol. Um, and then they have the timer there for when they stop shooting. So the RO would walk back. We'd record the time. And then the next kind of even increment, we would send somebody. So um, that ended up, I mean, if you think like four or 500 seconds for a stage, that next stage, that stage two they shot was only 180 seconds. You had a good, you know, almost 10 minutes doing that, that, you know, for most people. So we, we kind of, as the, the match went on, we were moving that up further and further and kind of got to where the RO would come back do that and then we'd send the next one so so that that ended up working working well okay let's go back to what else you liked what else were you happy with um the 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 course i think was challenging enough i like being able to get people in the woods i kind of wanted to get them further back in the woods but it's a little thick there um Really, the turnout and the fact that we had a lot of new shooters was uh, was really encouraging, and a lot of people were, were asking about m- another one. So, um, actually, I have to thank the shooters because it went way longer than I expected, and everyone was, like, really, really um, understanding of it. Like, I, I was a little worried, and just as a match director, I hate having people just stand around all day, you know, and... And it didn't work out the way I wanted, so I'm feeling a little extra stressed and, like, upset with myself because, you know, you get it in your head, you get it planned, and I've run enough three-gun matches. I'm like, oh, I kind of have an idea what's going on, and it didn't work out that way. I mean, it just – it is what it is. But everyone was super nice about it. I mean, even the last guys that shot were just happy to be there. So um, the shooters that showed up were awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we had one – I know one one of our locals – saw how long it was going to take. He's like, Hey, I've got stuff later. Uh, I'm just going to have to go. And, and I understand that. I mean, it, it was going to run longer than, than we were expecting, but um, yeah, the shooters were great. People were asking about another one. So um, it, yeah, just overall the day was, was really good in that respect. Would that be something that you would change in terms of assigning run times maybe to people, if you have a better idea of <clears throat> when you're going to run, or at least uh, maybe brackets of, you're not going to run until at least 10 and you're not going to run until at least noon. You know, if you can't do it, go as far as you're going to run after this person, after this person, would you maybe do something like that? Or even just AM PM kind of thing, something like that. Um, yeah, I did try that. We had a second squad and it ended up being kind of small that showed up at noon, but it, it didn't, I mean, all in all, it saved them a little bit of time. But by noon, we had only gotten five or six. I mean, we started shooting a little after 10. By noon, we just hadn't got that many shooters through. So they still had kind of a long wait. Um, I need to get a copy. We still have a copy of the start and stop times for everybody. I I plan to kind of go through that, like take out. Because I think the course will remain pretty much the same. You know, I, I may twist things up or have people go but like i think that that general layout's kind of what i have to do with that range so i'm gonna go through and look at all the times you know fastest slowest middle take out that first stage time for those people and then i think i should be able to get a pretty good idea of like how fast someone will flow through that stage you know if i do it again 
my first stage will have 180 second par time like everything. So if I say 180 seconds plus this plus this, this is about the spacing that I need to do. And um, I, I think I would maybe do specific start times assigned. Um, that's a little harder with locals because people sign up and don't always show up. But um, I, I think I may be able to get away with like like three different squad starts. So I, I'm not not a hundred percent sure yet. I'm I'm still gonna look at the numbers, but I, I think there could be a way to do it where early squad shows up, kind of helps set up the match. They get going, then the next squad comes. And then the third squad comes and they help tear down so, something like that, I think, or, or two squads if we have to. But I think it could be run quicker than it was and actually have, you know, different squad start times. Okay. Anything else you'd like to change? <clears throat> um, not nothing major. Um, I, I do think I'll probably have a way to add wait time because if I get that, everything kind of narrowed down. I think we will run into two people getting into a stage at the same time, or I think more likely someone still shooting a stage when someone else comes up uh, with everything kind of close together. I doubt that second stage would be an issue, but the third stage might. So um, yeah, I, I think there's the, the possibility for that. I may, um, I, I may do, do wait time, but um just just tweaking stage times a little bit and and maybe shrinking things down just just slightly to so that people aren't timing out not so many people are timing out i mean that's part of the game but um i, I haven't really looked through yet i'm gonna have to look through the times and see like stage two how many people part out because i wouldn't be surprised if like half the people part out on that stage which which i i take that as a failing on me that that's a little that's a little too much you know yeah. So do you have any sort of lesson learned or goals? Something like imagine that another RO or not RO match director wants to have a match like this at their range. What would be some takeaways or, or sort of lessons learned that you would you'd want to share? Um, definitely paying attention to stage time. Uh, something kind of interesting that I ended up noticing, which um, so I had the fastest runtime on the the match. And I also had the fastest stage one. Now, I, there's at least two or three other shooters that, uh, two others that I've run, that I've run other matches with that I know are probably as fast or faster than me. Um, <clears throat> when you're only doing like a 10 or 15 minute match, stage, how well you do on a stage kind of disproportionately changes your runtime. So in a, a regular running gun with four or five stages and three miles of running, you, you know, the 180 seconds you spend on a stage, the difference between like 80 seconds and 150 is going to affect it a little bit, but not, not quite the same scale as, I mean, I beat the next closest person, I think, by like 80 seconds or something like that. Um, so if you take that 80 seconds, those other people actually ran faster than me the rest of the match. I just did that first stage fast enough that I was able to kind of put a big buffer there. So even stage times throughout the match, I think would, um, would allow, would keep that. I say this knowing that in this case, it would have been a disadvantage to me. That would have been 
that would have brought everyone closer together, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I scored this like three gun and with no DNFs, um, it was brought up by one of the competitors, Tim Cox, and, and I kind of agree, even though, again, it, it kind of benefited me this match. Like, if you run out of ammo or you can't complete a stage, um, I think you, instead of the timer stopping with where you, like, ran out of ammo, it should really be, uh, like, 180 seconds. So I, I don't know what time I ran out. You know, let's say I ran up at 70 seconds with three targets left. It should be three targets plus 180 seconds. Uh, I see an argument for both ways, but at the same time, like, you kind of didn't finish what you were doing, and it could almost be a gaming aspect, like, in, in that case, you know, like, I'm just going to stop now and not do... So, right. um, yeah. with running Gun, I really... Uh, there's gaming, it's a game, there's gaming in everything we do, but I would really like to prevent it being like a USPSA type thing where it's like who can game this or three gun you know who can game this the hardest to win like i i want it to be because you were the best shooter that day with the best skills and so i, I may change that as well i think i think the big thing for someone else running this is just like for your first one at least keep this course small um i wanted to be bigger the first time a little bit longer and i think this size worked and just kind of figure out how you're going to manage time and be willing to change on the fly. If we would have continued to go with my original assessment, like they turn the corner and we send a runner, we probably would have been running out of daylight instead of going like, I think we ended up at like five 30 that night. So, so it was still long, but it would have been longer if I wasn't willing to kind of shrink things, you know, uh, pivot with the, with what was happening. Right. So one thing that people always wonder about these things, was there a gear advantage? Was there something that you should have brought or didn't bring? Or your, if your rifle was set up like this, you had the advantage kind of a situation? Um, I don't think hugely. Um, you know, in like longer pistol shots like that, I think a red dot's probably an advantage. Um, I, but then I don't know when a red dot on a pistol is not an advantage short of maybe like rain and mud getting clogged in it. Like, but, uh, maybe the one thing I, I'll say I'll kind of having a LPVO on your gun. I know some people did well with red dots and like, uh, uh, ACOGs and stuff like that. I, I'll, I'll kind of admit this. I kind of set that screen up the, the like hula hoop hula dress thing to kind of screw with um, red dot shooters because a lot of them tell me, oh, I can hit a target at 500 yards with my red dot. And it's like, well, what they're talking about is like a huge man-sized silhouette that they're shooting at four or 500 yards. And then you put a 10-inch target out at 200 and they can't see it. Or you put some uh, like, a uh, target in some brush or like some shaded area and it's like you know the same color as the berm because it's not painted and now they can't see it and they're like well i can't see that and it's like well I, I can kick up to 2x and i can see it fine so <laughs> so oh, i don't know Ryan, i mean in a tactical situation there's going to be muzzle flashes <clears throat> at them i mean you gotta you gotta factor that in yeah right? 
Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did kind of do that to screw with uh, red dot shooters. I mean, I, I think a lot of them still did fine on it. I mean, you could see the targets, but just having a little bit, like I said, if you were at like 1.52 X, that those steel were much, much easier to see. So, um, but I don't think there was any, any real gear. I mean, running gun, I, there's rarely a time I'll bring a sandbag sometimes like a light sandbag to rest, but I, I don't know. There's not usually just whatever your gun is, is probably fine. I, I don't think there was anything short of, like I said, maybe the red dot was, would have been helpful. Okay. So any last thoughts, any takeaways, any way to wrap this up? Because I think you covered pretty much everything. Encouragement for mass tractors, like maybe something that you had to say to the range, you know, the board of directors to get this to happen or anything like that, that we'd, you'd want to be your final kind of takeaway from this. Yeah. Um, I, well, the range, I mean, I got a pretty good, and maybe this is the advice. I'm on the board at the range, and since I've taken over, I have made it a a strong mission of mine to build up good rapport with the the safety committee, the board, um, and, and it's it's really paid off because anytime I want to do things new or try different stuff, they've always been really really supportive. Um, I, I think a big part of my success with that is being like super open and honest. If I'm going to do something, if I'm got a question on anything, I just ask, I let them know what's going on. If we had something that something went weird or something happened, or I, I let them know, you know, I just, um, if they think you're trying to be secretive or, you know, you're trying to get away with stuff or do, th then they get real suspicious, I think. And then they'll never, never trust you. Or if you just, you're open and honest and tell them, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're taking care of, you know, any safety things that they're fine. So uh, my board is fine. I, I obviously every range is different. You got to know your, your own range politics. I would say if you if you run a match somewhere, I would, I would put one of these on, um, give, give it a shot. I think you'll find a new crowd of people coming out that you don't normally see, which is what we want. I mean, we've talked on the show a lot that, um, you don't have to shoot competition to be a good shooter, but, um, it, it really, it really makes it really helps you to build those skills. Um, I was listening to a podcast this week and they were talking about, and it was like a precision rifle par podcast, but they were talking about the benefit is that competition creates, um, a situation like a question that you have to answer. You have to figure out that you would not probably not have figured out for your, or made up for yourself. So we can go out and train and we're like, well, what if I try this? Or what if we try this? Or I'm going to, what if I was in this situation, but you're kind of limited your own imagination and you go out to these and someone's like, okay, well you have to shoot this, but you have to shoot it off this. And you're like, well, that's not the right height for me. Well, too bad. You know, I mean, if you're always using your same equipment, your same, you know, my same barricade, the same target at the same distance, it's just, you don't learn as much. So, um, I like this, this brought out a lot of new people. I hope we, we see some of them back. Um, yeah, yeah, just do it. I mean, I, as a competitor, I had a lot of fun. I, I was, I love shooting three gun. This isn't taking the place of all our regular three gun matches. I'm, I'm actually thinking I'm going to try to find like maybe quarterly, 
like a off Saturday or a Sunday, a different one than three gun to, to put on more of these. Um, but I, it brought out, there's things I've been practicing and, or that I know I'm not good at that. It, this confirmed that. I mean, I, I think some people think match directors design stages to benefit them. Um, I can't speak for every match directors. I usually put in things in stages that I am not good at because I want to get more repetitions at that. I want to challenge myself to, to get better at that. Um, you know, I put some hard pistol shots in. I'm not a good pistol shooter. Like I'm getting better, but, um, yeah, I, I actually crushed the, the like 40, 50 yard pistol shot. And that's normally not my strength. I think I kind of hooked up on that and and got lucky. But um, but yeah, that's that would not have been something I would have thought I would have done as well. So um, yeah, I it was it was a it was a good match, and I'd like to like to do some more of them. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I hope I can get out there and try one of these. I'd like to see how it goes. So yeah, get well, put one on it. Where you got some ranges around you? I do. Get in there. We'll see what we We're, can do. Work your way into the politics. That's the way to do it. You gotta, you gotta politic a little bit. Right. You want to buy some raffle tickets? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. I I don't think I mentioned at the beginning. As always, this show is sponsored by Primer and Co. So, uh, for your two A apparel, Primer and just is the website. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. We want to thank. Uh, thank her for she's bought us some gear she bought microphone i think she's gonna we're gonna buy mike ford a new microphone at some point when i can find the right one because his sounds like a tin can and he's always quiet mark's he's he's a fancy gamer so yeah but we'll we'll upgrade his if he needs it um i want yeah, a green check, screen yeah well I, <laughs> I i have one i thought about setting it up but uh yeah, thanks I, for tuning. I want to show a row of 1050s behind me. That's what Oh, I there want. you go. There yeah. you go. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to email us. Um, get a hold of me. I'm I Ryan I Dixon on Facebook, Instagram. Um, that's mostly where I hang out. I don't do TikTok or uh, anything else like that. But um, yeah ask us some questions if you want to see an episode on something let us let us know i know we've got a couple queued up here in the future with some different topics but we'd be happy to talk about something that you want to hear about maybe we've got some experience in it or i will find someone who does we have a lot of really really talented friends so till then have a good night